All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups. And we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. And let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Chris Spag, who is the founder, the creator of JetBoost. Chris, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, Matt. It's going well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We get to talk about my favorite topic today, which is no code. I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So for people that don't know what JetBoost, we'll get to no code later, but for JetBoost specifically, uh, can you tell people that don't know what it is? Yeah, uh, so JetBoost is an add-on tool for Webflow, and maybe I should explain what Webflow is for people that don't know what that is. Um, So Webflow is a visual website builder. Uh, So it's it's extremely powerful. I kind of liken it to the Photoshop of website builders. Um, Designers really love the tool because they can basically they're not limited at all with what they can build using Webflow. And uh, it's just, it's really easy to work with and you don't have to know how to code at all to, to build great sites using it. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Webflow. For those listening to make the connection, we had the, so we had a guy, Vlag Magdalene on, like, I don't know, two months ago. That guy started Webflow. So, so, and I've had, and like, like, and so, you know, Chris, I like no code is my favorite topic. I've had like a making the round of like everyone that you know that's that's in the community, and whenever I find out something that's cool like what what you're doing, I'm like I got to talk to them because I, I am very interested in that. So we know what Webflow is now. So now what are you building on top of Webflow, or what is JetBoost? Yeah, so JetBoost, uh, like I said, is an add-on tool for Webflow. So it provides uh, it allows Webflow users to add different types of features to their Webflow sites that aren't natively available via the Webflow platform. Um, So things like real-time search or uh, dynamic filters, uh, these are features that you can't just do using Webflow right now, Um, but adding in JetBoost allows you to add these things to your site, and JetBoost allows you to do it without, again, without you having to know how to code at all. So, can you give me an example, not necessarily just a feature, but like of a use case of what is something like I have a site, I have Matt Sherman, my, my website, mattsherman.com. I have a Webflow site. What are some things that I could do with JetBoost specifically? Like what are some function, functions I could do? Um, yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. So um, there's a, there's a number of different common use cases. Uh, the first one in what, JetBoost initially started off of was for job boards. So people are building job boards in Webflow um, and using the Webflow CMS, you would have a list of like all all the jobs that are being posted, but there was no way to quickly search them. There was no way to filter by say the city that the jobs are in or 
you know, the, the type of role or all, all these different parameters that you might imagine a job would have. Uh, JetBoost allows people to add those quick filters, quick uh, searches to, to their different types of sites. So job boards is a common one. Uh, directories like freelancer directories is a big one. Uh, all, all different types of information sites, real estate listings. Um, so yeah. let's actually dive into, so, and right now, if I wanted to build a job board, hypothetically, uh, on Webflow, what, what's the current tool, tools? And then what's like, what, what do you add on? Cause I, I've looked at your website and it's like, it's pretty magical stuff. The fact that like the, the features that you're adding to Webflow with your add on, like, I guess I have two questions. Um, what's like the, the, I guess, certain features, like the search, like how would that work within Webflow? And then two, I'd love to know like how you got the idea to just build on top of Webflow and build on that ecosystem. And then we can talk about the ecosystem a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so the goal of JetBoost has been, has, has always been to uh, allow someone to work in Webflow as much as possible. So JetBoost does never wants to limit or control your design. Uh, so with JetBoost, you you set up the uh, the behavior in JetBoost. So how you want the search, like what fields do you want to search, or how do you want the filter to exactly behave? You set all that up in JetBoost. And then you just add certain classes into Webflow, but you do all your designing in Webflow. Um, again, because it's it's such a great design tool. Like th there are other uh, kind of like uh, JavaScript widget tools that are uh, cross-platform. So you might add widgets like, I don't know, like an Instagram feed uh, to your Webflow site or to a WordPress site. But these, these JavaScript widget tools, they require you to do all the designing in whatever builder they created. Uh, JetBoost kind of takes the opposite approach. It says like, we're gonna give you all the functionality, but we want you to do all the design in Webflow still. So I wanna talk, I wanna ask about one use case for me. So right now I have a, I mean, I guess you call it a blog. It's like a publication blog, whatever, where I have all the posts I've written over the last five years on Webflow. And right now the way that people navigate through it is through tags, right? Oh, like education tag or, oh, hey, like no code tag, et cetera. Um, if I was to add a JetBoost to my site, um, it, like real practically, like could, is there, what is the search bar, like they can start searching and then posts like with those titles show up? I guess like practically, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to hear like in detail. So, cause I might use it myself and I'm sure people listening want to know, you know, how it works as well. Yeah, so all of all of the search and filtering is done in real time. Uh, so as somebody starts typing or as they're clicking on tags, uh, those those results, whether it's your list of blog posts or you know list of job postings or whatever it is your your list is, those will get filtered down in real time. Uh, and so I, I think if I'm understanding how your blog set up correctly, like you have tags, you can click on, you know, a tag that's a category and it'll load a new page. And then that has all the posts that fall under that category. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And for a blog that, you know, that certainly obviously works. Um, but when you start to look at, so like a, a freelancer directory where you might have somebody tagged with all sorts of different skills that they know, 
and all sorts of different locations that people might be based out of. And now you want to combine those tags uh, in, into uh, for the for the end user for the employer, say who's looking to hire somebody. You want them to be able to quickly select like three different things and just give show me all those people that match that criteria. Criteria. That's where uh, a tool like JetBoost can be really helpful. So it's that's awesome. So do you allow? So you you pretty much allow someone to build these more advanced features on or at least use cases on top of Webflow. I'm kind of curious. Why did you decide from the from the get? Um, you know, you could have built your own tool or something, but you decided to build on this ecosystem. Uh, I think this will be more common as Webflow gets more dominant and dominant. So I think you're like a super early player, which is great. But I'm curious for you, what made you decide to bet on Webflow and build your company on top of it as Webflow scales, ideally you scale too? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's the hope. Uh, I, I first learned about Webflow actually uh, right about a year ago now. Um, a friend of mine, he, he built a job board using Webflow, Typeform, uh, Zapier to kind of hook things up. And he built it over the course of three weekends, launched it, and it immediately started generating revenue. And I, I, at this point, I had no exposure to you know no-code tools or anything like that. And so I kind of saw him do this, and, and I was like, wow. Like, as a developer, I hadn't been paying attention to this stuff. And I, I realized like now these tools have gotten so powerful that people can build great-looking sites uh, that, that generate revenue that are actual you know, real products. Um, without knowing how to code at all. And so really just because he was using Webflow, that's what turned me on to, to looking into this tool more. And as I did, I, I mean, I just, I fell in love with the tool because it's even for, you know, myself as a developer, I know how to write code. I, I will never build like another marketing page by hand again. Like I'll just do it in Webflow. It's so much faster. Um, there's no point in me writing HTML, CSS by hand anymore. So Really, it was just, uh, I just enjoyed the tool so much. And um, yeah, just helping out my friend in the beginning, I was like, hey, I, I love your job board. I, I wish I could quickly search for jobs though. Uh, and that's when I found out Webflow didn't necessarily support that. Um, so I just, I, I wrote a little JavaScript snippet for him and put it on his site. And that, that was what I thought was the extent of it. And then over the course of the next six months, he kept sending me more and more people that, had found his site that were also building sites in Webflow and wanted this similar feature uh, and didn't know how he did it. And so that's when he's like, well, actually I used a little bit of code for that and it was from my, my friend and he would send them to me. Yeah, that's, it's how things start and it's how things grow. Just <laughs> when something's good, you know, it just gets around, word gets around. You, you, you're talking about um, kind of this trend of word of mouth and something that's starting to come into fashion uh, is this idea that we were talking about this before the, the episode um, started recording, which is an indie hacker. Like you got, because of some of these no-code tools and Zapier and you know the, the information about how to scale a company and start a company is out there, proliferated. Like we got all these indie hackers that are starting stuff, building projects, making some money, maybe scaling, you know, for, for, for a few. Like what do you, what do you think about the indie hacker movement? Are you involved in the movement? And um, I guess, what do you think the future is for you know these no coders or these indie hackers, you know, building these projects on the side? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of the, the indie hacker movement. And, uh, you know, I'll say Jetboost definitely wouldn't exist without it. Um, the guy that was referring to, Corey, he is, uh, he runs an indie hacker meetup here in San Diego where I'm based. Uh, and so he's, he's the one that built this job board in Webflow and kind of introduced me to all the no code stuff. So uh, without having met him, uh, certainly Jetboost wouldn't exist. And I'm a big believer in the, you know, kind of the self-funded or bootstrapped uh, path that most indie hackers at least start down. Um, you know, try to, the, the Jetboost MVP, I built and launched within a month. Um, it was really, really crappy at first, but it, it, it kind of did enough to see like, will people actually use this? Like, should I keep spending my time on building this thing out that I think is cool, but like, I want to know if it's actually useful for people. Um, I've, I've worked in startups before and I've seen startups where, uh, you know, they could go two years building their product, working on their product, not showing it to anybody. And then, you know, when it, when it comes time to actually release it, it's like, oh crap, we just built something that nobody wants. Uh, so I think the, by nature, the indie hacker style sort of forces you to, you know, if you're not out raising money and you don't have this big pool of capital to rely on, it forces you to get your product out there faster and validate it sooner. Uh, at least that's, that's been my experience. You mentioned something in there that I want to dive into a little bit. You said most people or most indie hackers start off with this like bootstrap mindset, profitable mindset. Um, and you mentioned that you specifically were like, they start off as, um, I'm curious, like, do, what are your thoughts on the idea of indie hackers becoming a startup, like be turning into funded startup founders? Is that like the, and that whole category of stuff, is it, there's a lot of indie hackers that are like, no, screw capital. A lot of indie hackers that are like, it's chill. I don't know. Where are you with, with that whole kind of conversation? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think when I first started out and maybe for uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was definitely in the like only bootstrapping, never, never take funding camp. Um, as I, as I've gotten more experience, I've seen, you know, it, it's a very personal decision and it, it depends on your business and it differs for everyone where they're at in their life. Uh, I, I think if you start to gain some traction and it does seem like there, you know, if raising money could help you in very specific ways, then I think it's, there's no point in just slamming the door on that and saying like, I'm never going to raise money. Um, but I, I still am a firm believer in like, uh, I, I think that if you can, you should go as long as you can without raising money, uh, just to just to know what you have and what potential there is. And certainly, the longer you wait and the more traction you gain, if you do decide to raise money, you can raise it on better terms as well. So, so that I totally agree with that. Uh, kind of adding on to the last point you said, you know, when I first started in startups, which was like I don't know, like five years ago, like not even that long ago, but I, I was the first thing I consumed was a Y Combinator, like how to start a startup 2014. And, and I all of a sudden became this like almost like a SF tech bro living in, living in Phoenix, Arizona. And people will attest to that. People listening that are in Phoenix who knew me five years ago will agree. And I'm just like, raise money. I don't like, like scale, scale, raise money, raise money. And I've, you know, I've gotten smart. I, 
I've gotten smarter, I think, over the last five years, and, and I've learned just more about business, more about startups. And what I'm finding is a framework is you shouldn't raise money unless you know exactly what you're going to do with it. Because uh, right. if you don't know, because your goal is to get like the highest ROI possible on your money, and if you just raise to raise and you don't know how to spend it, you're, you're, you're going to do exactly that, spend it, but not know the ROI that you're going to get, you know? So I totally agree with that. And um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on this? Earnest Capital, Indie VC, uh, Lighter Capital. Do you, you know what's going on in that camp? Like the debt, debt pretty much, right? What, what are your thoughts on debt as a for yourself and also just for indie hackers in general? Do you think it's viable form of financing? Yeah, I think the these kind of alternative financing um, mechanisms that are coming out, I think they're, they're interesting. I, I think the more uh, different paths that are available to people, the better. So if, you know, someone wants to just bootstrap or if someone wants to go raise VC money, or maybe there's, there's this middle ground that's emerging of, uh, like, like you said, an earnest capital or a tiny VC. Um, I think that's, that benefits everyone. Uh, I, I haven't looked too much into the specifics of the, how the financials work myself yet. Um, but it's, it's certainly interesting that it's out there. Yeah. It's, it's only better for founders. It used to be bootstrap or raise venture capital or get a loan from a bank, which, you know, you don't do as a startup. And if you do, then good luck, you know, where all these, now these options, it's a middle ground. It's not binary and starting companies shouldn't be, uh, you know, there should be, you know, anyways, I'm into that. So so a couple more questions for you. What would you say now that you're, you know, you've taken off your, you, your jet has, I don't know if people like <laughs> your jet, you know, is, is, is taking you to higher, higher heights or, or whatever. What would you say your big vision is for jet boost? Where are you taking it to? You know, is it on Webflow forever? It's, it's its own platform and just paint the big, the big picture for a second. Yeah, yeah, right. Right now, the big vision is to just get it in the hands of of more Webflow users. Um, so there's kind of two main camps that are using Jetboost right now. There's what I call like the no coders. So these are typically people building uh, using Webflow, Zapier, maybe Airtable, uh, MemberStack's another good one, and they're building almost more of like web applications using Webflow by hooking all these tools together. And a lot of times they'll pull in Jetboost as well to do certain things. Um, so that's one, one part of the customer base. And then the other part is your more standard Webflow freelancers, agencies. Uh, they're using Jetboost to build out client sites. Uh, and, and now Jetboost is allowing them to build client sites that they couldn't necessarily build with just Webflow. Um, and so they're able to win more projects and maybe move things off of WordPress or other tools uh, into Webflow plus Jetboost. So, so really, I think uh, there's more awareness right now of Jetboost in the no-code side of things, but I'd like to get more awareness on the Webflow side of things. So uh, eventually, like my big vision is if you're using Webflow, you're like, oh, I also should be using Jetboost because it allows me to do you know, X, Y, Z on top of Webflow. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of the second piece of that is right now, Jetboost allows you to do, it's mainly focused on these like search and filtering. 
but the, the big goal there is to expand the suite of tools to be not just providing search and filtering, but uh, you know, several other things that are maybe a little more difficult to do in Webflow right now. And, and again, it's always the goal is to make it available so anyone that knows how to use Webflow can use JetBoost. Like, I don't want you to ever have to go in and edit custom code or try to configure a bunch of JavaScript. Like, that's, that's just not realistic to me for the Webflow user base. It's, it's not worth their time. And to make that vision happen, to, to bring it to fruition, uh, what is an ask that you might have for the forward-thinking founders listener? If someone's listening, they like what you're doing, they're a no-coder or they're a Webflow user, uh, and uh, you know they want to help, what's the best way or best couple of ways to help you? Yeah, uh, I mean, anyone that wants to reach out to me, uh, if they if they're a big if you know if they use Webflow and whether or not they they've used JetBoost, uh, just I it's so helpful me for for me to hear about like uh, struggles that they have in Webflow or things that they wish they could do. I mean, I'm lucky now that I'm starting to get into a position where people are reaching out to me and saying, "Hey, like this JetBoost thing you built is really cool, but I wish I could also do this." Like to me, that's that's a huge signal of okay, well, you know eight people have reached out to me for this, like 20 people have reached out for this one. What should I go do next? Well, then it's, it's just pretty easy to follow the numbers. Yeah, definitely. It's, it definitely kind of, that's the great thing about business. And I kind of got a glimpse about, of this with my last company is that uh, you, it's, everything's kind of like a mountain where you got this mountain. I mean, people listening won't be able to see what I'm doing with my hands, but you got a mountain <laughs> And it's like, it goes up and then it starts to curve at the top and then it goes down. It's like, it's like, it's almost like bullet shaped in a way. And when you start, you're pushing that boulder really, 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 really hard. It's not going very far, but you're pushing up, pushing up, pushing up, pushing up. And at some point, at some point, you're just, you realize that like, it's getting a little easier. And then maybe some, at some point the ball starts rolling down Then you're chasing the ball. And that's just kind of the, the, the journey of business. It gets easy. It doesn't get easier overall, but user acquisition gets a little easier if you just keep pushing, which is what you're doing. So congratulations. <laughs> and, and if someone wanted to use your, your product or get in touch with you, are you, you know, are you active on Twitter? Do you have an email? What's your website? I guess, how can people get in touch if they're into what you're doing and want to want to give it a shot? Yeah, if they want to check out JetBoost, it's uh, jetboost.io. Uh, you can email me anytime. I'm just Chris at jetboost.io. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, C underscore spags. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm usually try to be as responsive as, as I can. And uh, yeah, I'll always love chatting with, with different people. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and best of luck. And I'm going to go off and probably give JetBoost a shot right now. Awesome. <laughs> Appreciate Have a good night. It. Thank you so much, man. Okay. Thank you everyone for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman. And that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM. And I'm happy to check out what you're working on and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please 
rate this podcast in the iTunes store. That would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that, or one of the ways to do that, is growing with rankings. So if you like what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. With that, I'm signing off. See you next time.